welcome to the STEM Economy with your host, Matt Bender. It's episode 25 of the Scam Economy, and boy, do we have something for you today for this milestone episode. Folks, this episode led to some breaking news. That's right. Let me give you uh, a brief breakdown. This episode's going to start a little bit differently than other scam economies. Uh, going to bring you like behind the scenes here so you can see how the scams are made, I guess. But here's the deal. This is what happened this week. So uh, this angel investor on Twitter basically had a viral tweet thread earlier this week about the decentralized wireless network Helium. And so I invited him on the show to talk about Helium. Uh, And he agreed. And that's the interview you're going to hear shortly. But in researching for this episode... I came across something interesting about Helium, and let me give you a, let me give you a little bit more about Helium really quickly. So basically, it's a company that's trying to be a network for Internet of Things. Uh, the idea is that you know for areas where there's shoddy or spotty Wi-Fi service or even 5G, Helium's network will fill the gaps. And you know their hope is well. One example me and Liron use is if you know you're walking your dog somewhere in you know the uh, the woods. And your dog gets away, you know, gets a little bit ahead of itself, and it's wearing a GPS collar. Thanks to Helium's network, ostensibly, uh, you'd be able to track your dog even if there was no Wi-Fi or bad 5G service. You could use it for your ring doorbells, your smart refrigerators, whatever. You're probably asking now, okay, Matt, this is scam economy. Where does crypto come in? So I just explained to you that Helium's main product is this wireless network, but In a recent profile of Helium by the tech newsletter The Generalist, we found out that there really aren't customers for Helium's network. Apparently, it's only pulling in around $6,500 a month in revenue. Again, this is a company that has hundreds of millions of dollars in funding and is currently valued at over a billion dollars. So... Main product is the wireless network. Turns out that doesn't have many customers. But we do know that most of Helium's revenue is actually coming from budding entrepreneurs and, you know, business hopefuls who buy the hotspots from Helium in order to expand Helium's coverage. Basically, you know, the idea is, you know, your dog's GPS collar would ping the closest hotspot box owned by one of these people who bought Helium's hotspot. And why would they buy this hotspot? Because they get to earn Helium's own cryptocurrency token. And I think you know where this is going, obviously. They only earn... That crypto, if Helium's wireless network actually has customers who are using the network and pinging that hotspot box. So, you know, I'm doing the research and things aren't adding up numbers wise because I'm looking at Helium's website and, you know, one of the big companies they tout, a logo on their website is Lime, the scooter rideshare company. 
who told me there's been more than 300 rides worldwide. This is a pretty big company. If they're, uh, you know, if they're working with Helium to apparently GPS track their scooters, you know, you would think that data was being used. So I'm looking around and I'm noticing that, you know, Helium has talked about Lime a lot. Uh, you know, in the New York Times, uh, they received a glowing profile earlier this year. Uh, how Helium was called maybe one of the first good use cases of crypto. And the number one client of Helium that's mentioned, the very first one to be brought up in the piece is Lime. But again, I'm looking and I'm not seeing any reciprocation from Lime declaring that they use Helium. It's all coming from Helium's side. So before I record this episode with Liron on Wednesday night, I reach out to Lime no, no expectation, really. Maybe, you know, uh, uh, they are using uh, Helium or, you know, they were a customer for a while and maybe they're just not now. Or, you know, maybe they were just rolling it out uh, on a few scooters and, you know, wasn't something to announce quite yet. But right after Liron and I finished talking, I checked my email and there is a response from Lime. And according to Lime's Senior Director for Corporate Communications, Russell Murphy, Lime says that beyond an initial test of its product in 2019, Lime has not had and does not currently have a relationship with Helium. So Lime is claiming that they never used Helium in a working capacity, yet on Helium's website, on its homepage, Lime's logo is right there at the top for Helium is used by, and there it is, Lime. And then over on their enterprise page, it says Helium is trusted by, and right there, Lime. Because of a one-month trial back in June 2019 that I've since confirmed was just a trial with their contact at Lime, who is a former operations manager there. He doesn't work with the company anymore. Didn't go beyond that. He was their main contact. June 2019 is basically where this all took place. There was no contract. There was no payment exchanged. There was just a test of putting these Helium GPS tracking devices on Lime scooters to see how it would work. And nothing ever came out of it. And that was enough for Helium to bring up Lime in Reddit posts, in Twitter posts, on its own website, in videos, in press coverage ranging from Coindesk to Axios to the New York Times and who knows where else. And so I wrote up the piece. It was just published today in Mashable. The link is in the description to this episode. Definitely check it out. It's already getting uh, tons of shares and coverage and, you know, nice things being said about it by all sorts of people across the spectrum and, you know, the crypto world, the tech world and journalism. And I'm saying this because I want to thank all of you, the Scam Economy listeners and especially the Scam Economy patrons who subscribe and pay to support this show at patreon.com slash mattbinder. I was able to find this out due to research directly involved with this very episode you're about to listen to of The Scam Economy. The, uh, the article's already made its way to Helium's official subreddit where it seems like those uh, you know budding entrepreneurs who laid out hundreds and hundreds of dollars for Helium Hotspot – uh, are very upset uh, at the misrepresentation of Helium's 
relationship or lack thereof with Lyme. Some even saying that was the reason why they even got involved with helium. I think there'll be a lot more to discuss here. I'll likely, you know, I'll, I'll obviously stay on it. Maybe there'll be a whole scam economy episode just on the details in this piece, which again, you should all go check out. But, you know, I had to hold this show. You might notice if you listen on release day that it's, you know, a little late. But I had to hold on to this interview, which is still great and completely timely. There's nothing out of date here, but I could not release this episode without adding in this extra information that's directly related to everything that myself and Liron are about to talk about. And without anything further to say, joining me now to discuss Helium is Liron Shapira. He is a entrepreneur, angel investor, and crypto skeptic. Liron, thank you so much for joining me today. Great to be here, Matt. And I'm also an avid listener to all the crypto podcasts, including yours. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, there's not enough uh, crypto skeptics in the world. And, you know, you in your position as, you know, an angel investor, I mean, I know there's a few other voices out there, but at least publicly, you know, not many people in the space, you know, are so openly skeptical at the very least or critical of uh-huh. cryptocurrency, Web3, the entire blockchain industry. And um, so, you know, I've seen a, a number of your, uh, you know, work on in terms of like your your writing on it on, on social media, on Twitter uh, previously. But then I saw this helium thread and it has gone very viral. And I had personally myself become uh, I, I first became aware of helium I mean, I might have come across it here and there before, but I really sort of understood what it was and what it was trying, what they were trying to do with it when uh, Kevin Roos of the New York Times uh, wrote about it earlier this year in February as cryptocurrency finally finding a use case. Um, I think we'll uh, debunk that perhaps in this episode. But why don't you first start, I guess, with um, telling me a little bit about what helium is for people who aren't familiar. Yeah. So helium is, you know, a Web3 application, as they call it. Um, And it's often touted as one of the most popular use cases of Web3, right? So when people ask, what's a use case? They're like, well, have you seen helium? It's going to be amazing, right? It's it's really one of the go-to answers. Um, And so the pitch, as I understand it, is it's going to be a way uh, for Internet of Things devices, like uh, maybe, um, I don't know, a, a smoke detector or something in, that you stick like in the forest. This is an example from investor Kyle Samani to detect if the forest is starting to get on fire. That could be like an Internet of Things device. So you, you take these network devices and you need to give them an Internet connection. Um, but 5G is too power intensive, so you don't want to connect them to a 5G cellular connection. Um, and they're too far from a Wi-Fi hotspot. So there's this happy medium. It's called LoRaWAN technology. Um, it's it's a relatively new technology, and it's supposed to be low power. Their brand of LoRaWAN that they're pitching is very slow. So you can see I'm already getting into the weeds a little bit. It's it's a little bit hard, but, but the idea is you can connect devices to the internet over something that's kind of like Wi-Fi, kind of like 5G. It's in between, and it's going to be powered by a, a network, a worldwide network of hotspots that are broadcasting the signal, um, and it's going to be like a pay-per-usage model. Um, and even though I'm making it sound kind of hypothetical, 
uh, and Handwavy, there's actually, um, last I heard, 900,000 of these nodes deployed around the world. So I'm actually talking to you after the, the plan is kind of cranked out, um, after $365 million has gone into this project. This is supposed to be like a mature time for the project where supposedly a lot of people are supposed to be on the network by now. Right. Now, now. You you just I I actually listened to that uh that segment that you posted it was about like seven minutes long of you talking with that investor in helium, and and you you both talked back and forth, you know about uh you know he was very adamant that this was you know everything you just mentioned about you know connecting for like uh, uh dog collar uh tracking and like uh, the forest fire thing, um I mean he was adamant that that was a use case and you guys were talking it out and I'm thinking to myself like as I'm listening I'm like thinking to myself. Like, all right, that is, I guess, what Helium, the company, is presenting itself as in terms of, like, the use cases for it for, like, normal, everyday people to sort of, I guess, understand what the purpose of it is. But none of that is Web3. Like, none of what you just mentioned, like, Internet of Things is not Web3. Uh, Web3 involves, you know, minting a token on a blockchain, something being put on a blockchain. It's, it's something connected to a token that's on a blockchain. And, you know, uh, the idea is that, you know, maybe one day our social media identities will be attached to our, uh, you know, our uh, crypto wallet. And that's because that's, uh, you know, stored, you know, our identity will be stored on the blockchain in that way. So where does the where does the actual Web3 crypto uh, part of Helium come in? Great question. So um, a couple uh, places. So I guess it comes in with there's a token. It's called HNT and you get a token reward um, when you basically help somebody access data through your connection. You get some of this token uh, and you also get some of this token when you verify that other nodes are on the network. So it's like peer to peer verification that, hey, my neighbor has a node um, and they're going to their node is going to talk to my node and we're going to both verify that the other one is live and responding to requests. And we're going to pay each other you know, little pieces of this token in order for doing that. Uh, and of course, the token is listed on uh, you know different exchanges, and it's freely traded. It's got a market cap, uh, and, and of course, speculators are buying the token. And the the theory of all this, promoted by their lead investor A16Z, um, you know the the usual suspects, uh, Mark Andreessen, Chris Dixon, is this is a revolutionary Web3, uh, you know, an example of what Web3 can do that uh, the regular web could never do because it's. Uh, it's incentives for ordinary people to bootstrap a network because they have ownership in that network. So that's kind of like the the beautiful vision of Web three. Right. So how? So say I, as a everyday uh, person who comes across Helium's website and sees the big, uh, you know, the big uh, tagline, a people powered network, and I find out yeah. I can make money off of this. How do I, an everyday person, get involved in Helium? Like, how do yeah. I start making money? So the idea is that you, you need to purchase a, a device that's called a hotspot, which is also known as a miner, because it's analogous to you know a Bitcoin miner where you're mining the token, except the way to mine the token here is to provide uh, network connectivity, right? So the idea is you've got that dog collar, right? That's It's a very low-powered dog collar that can't use Wi-Fi, can't use 5G, and you're providing the LoRaWAN uh, internet gateway for that dog collar, and as a result, you're earning the token, which is also called mining. So you buy these hotspot devices, but historically, in order to buy these, you had to pay 400 to 800 dollars, 
and you had to sign up for a wait list because the shipping times were very, very long. And also the you had to buy the the miners from Helium the company or Nova is the the company name, um, and the the price represented a huge markup. So maybe the company was getting them for 100 and and selling it to you for 500, and that was also supposed to go into funding the operation. So right off the bat, just by having you buy the miner, they're already skimming uh, that way. So you buy this miner, you get on this waitlist, and what you find is unless you're one of the very very first people to buy and get on that waitlist. By the time the miner arrives, you're late in the game, and you know, in the typical pyramid shape, you're you're suddenly find yourself on the lower rungs of of the pyramid of uh, of miners getting into this. Right, right, and I'm glad you brought up you know the, the pyramid because you know as I'm looking at their website and all their marketing, I'm looking where I'm trying to figure out where the like the business to customer marketing is like I'm trying to find out <laughs> where this use case is like where they are selling these products now and again for people I, I don't <laughs> right 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 uh, I, I don't want to get ahead of myself here so I want people to understand that internet of things because it's going to come up a lot and I'm not you know this is an area in the tech space that I'm in no way shape or form an expert in but internet of things are, pro are items like your refrigerator when they can you know newer models connect to the internet to tell you I don't know when you're uh, you're you're running out of ice in the freezer or something like that it gives you sort of updates like that involving the product. Uh, mm -hmm. In the uh, dog collar example that the investor in Helium brought up, it's so you can, you know, track uh, where your dog is, I guess, if they were to run away while wearing the collar, right? I'm, I'm guessing that's the, the purpose there. And so I, I'm looking for these them selling this, but all I see is the selling of the idea that you can make money by becoming uh -huh. one of like by owning one of these these you know nodes and having one of these boxes in your house or multiple mm -hmm. boxes because of course one box probably ain't gonna make you the money you want to make um and i'm sort of thinking like this is like what what who's using this other than like who is paying them other than the people who are buying this box so they too can make money i guess from the again these magical customers that I cannot seem to find them selling to on their website. Yeah, no, I, I want to just repeat uh, your insight, which is uh, the website is not even trying to address end users of the network. You go to the homepage and it, uh, you know, it says people powered networks, start a wireless revolution, you know, so this nice, uh, you know, abstract idealism. And then it says, uh, the, the next thing it says is mine. It's a new way to mine crypto, right? So they're pitching to the people in the network and, you know, that's that's weird if you actually go expect to hook up your dog collar, right? If you're one of these hypothetical end users that are going to feed money into the system. Um, but it makes perfect sense when you realize it's just multi-level marketing, right? So if you go to Herbalife's website, right, or Amway's website, similarly, they're not saying, oh, my God, you got to buy these products, right? They're saying, hey, you should really sign up and own your own business. We're going to give you freedom. We're going to give you empowerment. They're already talking to you like, hey, here's how you go sell this thing to others. It's like, wait a minute. I thought this was, you know, a product, right? So it's it's very much multi-level marketing where their entire focus has just been on how do we build up random people to go become these miners? How do they pay us that $500, you know, very attractive profit margin on the miner? How do we get them hooked up to the network? And then how do we show all this token activity flowing around um, and then turn around and go to the venture capitalists, go to Andreessen Horowitz and say, look, this is a revolution. Only Web3 and the blockchain has made this possible when it's literally just Herbalife in, you know, in Wi-Fi hotspot form. Um, and, and so 
Um, and, and yeah, the website, you know, even to this day, that they they spent 99.999% of their time and focus recruiting, recruiting, just like a pyramid scheme. And so it was a bombshell when we kind of looked behind the curtain um, and exposed that there's only $6,500 a month of revenue. It's like, oops, somebody forgot the demand. Right, right. You know, I I, I think Herbalife is a great example. I usually uh, I usually use uh, LuLaRoe because I feel like people are familiar yeah. with it, do the documentary. But you know what? At the end of the day, even if you're uh, you buy into the LuLaRoe pyramid, uh, mm-hmm. that you'll uh, you know make your own uh, successful LuLaRoe business, even if and and when that fails, you still got some leggings you can wear. What are you going to do with this box in your house? You're right. It's 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 junk, and we're already at that point. Um, so you know, and and just to, you know, the timeline's a little bit weird because helium, you know, it's just it's been growing and growing, and it's it's so funny that nine hundred thousand of these junk boxes are, are now deployed, um, you know, for sixty five hundred dollars of revenue. Um, but Wait, hold on, uh, hold on. I want I want to I want to I want to I got I got to pause you there because I want to make sure people heard what you just said because it's not something to <laughs> say and continue a conversation with. How much is helium making? So yeah, so just to, to go through the numbers, um, the the bombshell number is six thousand five hundred U.S. dollars per month uh, is the amount that the dog collars of the world, the forest fire trackers of the world, are paying into the network uh, in order to to transmit and receive uh, data. So, okay. You mean you mean you you must be talking about like one of those guys who bought like you know ten of those boxes? They're making six thousand five hundred dollars a month, right? Right. I mean, the the number is the reason why the number is funny is because it's zero, right? It's not six million. It's it, it it's a number that rounds to zero. And honestly, it's such a ridiculous number that I suspect it really is zero. Like it's it's really weird to think that like one person somewhere in the United States is seriously using it. Like I, it really is zero. Wait, hold on. So you're, I, I want to make this completely clear. You're talking yeah. about helium, the company as a whole. Like mm-hmm. it's not like you're saying like, oh, there's a success case out there where there's yeah. a guy who bought those helium boxes and that guy is making $6,500 a month from helium. No, no, no. We're saying that the company helium, Do we? how, how much has been invested into them? Right. And, and that's the contrast. So $365 million has been invested into them. And they are making $6,500 a month. Exactly. So they're making, you know, one employee's salary, right? Um, and, and of course, uh, they have many employees. And uh, and again, the it's just to contrast these numbers, 900,000 of these hotspots. And so when, when I say 365 million has been invested, that actually has come from VCs and it's come from an ICO back in uh, 2017. So about 111 million came from the ICO. So there were ICO speculators buying in, of course, A16Z has paid in more than anybody, any individual party. And then I didn't even mention on top of all that, Another uh, about 500 million on top of that has come from purchases of these hotspot devices, right? So the the $500 devices, so close to a million of these devices has been purchased. And so that adds up to, um, I don't have the exact figure, but it's uh, well over 250 million, probably something like 500 million. So we're getting very close in total to a billion dollars of capital expenditure, right? More than half a billion, right? 700 million, like these crazy, crazy numbers of capital expenditure, um, to supposedly, you know, blanket the entire world in these LoRaWAN hotspots in order to one day recoup the revenue, uh, right, from end users who need data. And so that's why it's such a bombshell when you look at the, the data numbers and it's like, oh, $6,500 a month. Hmm. Right. So uh, you said that there's about like 900,000, almost a million of these boxes out there. Yeah. Do, do we know how many 
individuals have actually because obviously there are people who would have bought multiple boxes to try to make this their like full-time income or their you know full-time passive income or an investment for the future or whatever they're planning do we know Mm -hmm. how many people have actually bought into this as a uh, business opportunity um i don't have the exact number because as you say people buy multiple right so if there's nine hundred thousand units then the ballpark amount of people who have bought in has got to be like 400,000, right? Say say the average, the mean is like 2.5 units per person, something like that. So we're definitely looking at many hundreds of thousands of people, uh, of individuals. And so, you know, and I think that's one reason that my, uh, my tweet really struck a nerve on Twitter and got so many uh, likes and shares is because there's a lot of people who are, you know, bitter. They're suffering in silence, right? They paid $500, $1,000, to, $2,000 to buy these things. And if they were in early, great. But the majority who weren't in early is like, they're like, what the heck's going on, right? Which is, it parallels pretty much every story of a, of a Web3 or a blockchain project that you'll ever hear. Right. I mean, I, I saw someone actually reply to, it might have been a reply to your tweet or reply to another tweet about Helium, but someone said that they actually uh, did make a, a nice little quick uh, turn, uh, return on, of invest- on investment on mm-hmm. uh, Helium by basically buying one of those miner boxes and then reselling them to someone who was on a waiting list. And then yep. that's how they turned a profit. <laughs> Yeah, so I, mean, I, look, mean, I can I can show you any Ponzi scheme, any multi-level marketing scheme, and you talk to the people who are early, right, who get out at the right time, and they're always like, I don't see the problem. This was great. Right, and they didn't. That guy didn't even make it from the use case. He made it just by reselling the box. Right. <laughs> There's literally not a single individual in the whole whole world who can tell you the reason why I made money is because I helped somebody transfer data. That's just never never happened. Right. Do Do they have like do, like when when these uh, approximately four hundred thousand give or take people. Uh, bought into this as this, you know, this new business opportunity. Did they have a a number in mind of how much they could make? Like, was Helium advertising uh, uh, even a range or something? Uh, like, how did they sort of sell this to them? Yeah. So, you know, the implication, it's all subsidized, right? So it's like, just to take a step back, you know, these Web3 VCs, I specialize in kind of analyzing the thought process of the venture capitalists, um, the way they think, because this is my industry. And and I used to have a lot more respect for, for these people like, you know, Mark Andreessen. I mean, the guy is considered one of the founding fathers of the original Internet. Um, he invented the first graphical web browser, right? He, he invented um, uh, Mosaic, and then he worked on uh, Netscape as the founder of Netscape, right? So the, this super smart, respected guy uh, talking complete nonsense uh, today about you know, you know Web3 and, and crypto. So to dive into Mark Andreessen's thought process, he says something like, look, um, a, a network like Web3, um, it, it works because the, the token, right? Everybody's really excited about the token, um, right? And then, and then your question, though, is what, what was people advertised, right? Like what, what was their pitch? Um, and so they would look at the market price and they'd be like, wow, I can make this much money, um, if I purchase a miner, given the current price of the helium token and given how much data is being exchanged right now, according to the stats, I'm expecting to make a hundred dollars a month. So it's okay that I'm spending five hundred dollars because I'm going to recoup this in maybe five months, right? And then the next five months, I'm going to make another five hundred. Like this is very attractive, right? I can double or triple my income within right. twelve months, and this is passive income, right? And so you can understand why half a million people all around the world are jumping on this amazing passive income opportunity. And you but, buy a few, and if you buy a few boxes, that could. Yeah. You might not even have to work if that can, you know. Exactly, right? Which, oh, man. So it's it looks very attractive when, when that's how the numbers seem to pencil out. Um, and then and going back to Mark Andreessen's thought process, he's saying, like, um, you know, the 
this is this is like this is how to bootstrap a network like we can we can make people get really excited to bootstrap a network even before there's demand and in the world of startups one of the hardest things in building a startup is to get initial demand you know they call it the chicken and egg problem right like which comes first the chicken or the egg they say which comes first when you're building a marketplace for internet does the supply come first the hotspots or does the demand come first well let's take a sledgehammer right let's cut the gordian knot and let's just build up a bunch of hotspots right so the supply will come first and then the demand will come so they think there's so clever that they built up 900k hotspots and they think that it was only possible because there's a free market of tokens on the blockchain but in reality all they did was they just pumped an ungodly amount of money into the system like yes when you light you know a billion dollars on fire you're gonna get random people to do whatever you want them to do even if that means building hotspots like that's not a blockchain innovation like anybody can throw money at anything and get it bootstrapped right so that's all that happened here and then the problem is they were so focused on the supply side that the, the demand side was just non-existent. Like nobody has, you know, nobody was checking on the demand side, basically. They're like, oh, we have some leads, like some people who might want this. Like, well, let's solve the chicken and egg problem and get to it. I mean, when you zoom out and look at this, it's just, you know, it's it's just incompetent. It's inexcusable. Um, but what made it okay, what made it raise so much money, you know, and look the other way was the Web3 narrative of it. Right. I mean, that, we've, we've seen that, I think, time and time again. And I want to sort of dive in here uh, uh, a little bit more into the, the crypto aspect, um, because that is like how these, uh, you know, these miners who have these hotspots, that's how they, they make their money. Like when we say they're making money, we have to, I guess we should really stress that, um, you know, it's not like uh, uh, Helium is uh, writing them a check and sending them like a, uh, you know, like a royalty uh, for uh, the amount of data that went through their hotspot or whatever. No, they get rewarded. It's a, it's, you know, it's a mining device. They get rewarded uh, for how much their, you know, how much usage comes out of their hotspot in the helium token. And that token seems to really uh, have fluctuated uh, quite recently. I mean, um, mm -hmm. when it, it seems like its peak was in November around the same time that Bitcoin hit its, uh, all time high so far, uh, helium hit, uh, around 52, 70, $52, 70 cents, uh, token. Uh, by the time, uh, Kevin Roos's New York times piece comes around hailing helium as, uh, look, crypto finally has a real use case. We're talking, it's already dropped to around, uh, you know, uh, $27, $30 a token. And today yeah. we're now sitting at a token price of, it seems like it's uh, currently going back and forth between eight and nine bucks. Yeah, which is, and, and that's why, uh, you know, as I wrote on Twitter, um, pretty much everybody who's bought a miner, right, except the ones who got in early and made their money back and, and the rest is gravy, um, the vast majority of people who have ever bought a miner, they haven't made their initial investment back, and their overall return on investment is almost guaranteed to be negative. So not only are they not going to make passive income, but it's you know very similar to most people who join an Herbalife or a multi-level marketing. They're just they're out of luck. They're worse off for having dabbled in this. Right, right. And and here's I, I pulled up this thread from just earlier uh, today while we're talking, which is July 27th, Wednesday, July 27th earlier. Uh, there was a post on the Helium Network subreddit, the official Helium uh, subreddit, over 100,000 members in that subreddit, ostensibly mm -hmm. people who are involved in this or are looking to get involved and following for more information. Someone posted, is this normal? I'm making $10 a month, LOL. And the replies are, uh, one person says, if I made $10 a month, I would be happy. My city yeah. is just to 
is just too overloaded with minors. I make about three cents a day. So, yeah, $10 a month would be like winning the lottery. Another person says, I wish I got $10 a month. I get like 10 cents a month. So I unplugged that piece of crap. Uh, (laughs) I mean, uh, so it seems like this is, and again, I'm sure it's... From what it sounds like, some of these people are in, like they said, areas where there are a lot of other helium uh, miners who are, you know, all competing, I guess, uh, for this piece of the pie. And I guess depending, you know, if you find like this great uh, spot that's, you know, I guess in a big city that doesn't have any helium miners, you'll be rolling in some cash for a bit. Uh, Again, how much? I don't know. I, I, I Have they ever like announced... Like what, like the, uh, like, you know, LuLaRoe, an example from earlier, they would make like these videos of people who, who were quite successful, uh, made uh, a full-time income, had to hire help even, uh, mm-hmm. maybe hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars selling LuLaRoe products. Has Helium ever like touted a, a um, you know, a big winner in the Helium uh, space? They haven't touted a big winner, but they are uh, actually, pretty transparent about how much money everybody's making uh, you know at least the mean per miner you can look up that stat on the helium explorer um, but uh, let me explain how to analyze you know if you're thinking about buying a helium miner uh, let me tell you what the problem is so let's say you pay $500 maybe the price is dropping but just historically you paid $500 and uh, today if, you, if you're had a miner today you're going to be making about $20 a month uh, from the token rewards of mining and that's assuming that the, the helium token stays at $9 as you said so it doesn't fluctuate too much if you're lucky and it gets a pump then you're going to make more money right because you're you're tied to the uh, the the pumping and the, and the falling of the helium price uh, so you're tied to that volatility, but assuming it stays at $9 and assuming you paid $500 and you're making $20 a month, well, after, uh, you know, 25 months, you're going to make back the $500. So that's a little bit over two years. Now, if you're thinking about buying an income generating business and the business owner tells you, yeah, this is a, a two year payback period, right? You're going to get paid back in two years and then you, you keep making passive income. Well, that sounds pretty good, right? Because most businesses are sold uh, in such a way that you get paid back after three, four or five years, right? That's a more standard payback period when you buy a business. But here's the problem. Remember the $20 a month, let's drill into that. Like, what is that $20? Because as we discussed before, the total amount of demand in the system of people who are actually using the internet, right, the, the dog collars of the world, right, whoever needs to connect to uh, to this network is non-existent, right? It's $6,500. You can't split $6,500 across a million different uh, miners, right? Everybody literally gets a penny uh, when you do that. So, so where's the $20 coming from? And the answer is it's entirely subsidized. So even that $20 breaks down into a penny, and then $19.99 subsidized. And so it's irrational to expect that the subsidies will keep pumping that $19.99 into your wallet. And so it's not really a two-year payback period. You'd be lucky if you keep making $20 a month for two years. Chances are it's, it's just going to zero, right? It's it's just like, like a, um, you know, a, it's, it's a Theranos, right? Or it's, it's a WeWork, right? It's just any company that is heading right off the cliff. And the only hope of saving it is if somehow demand comes in. They're completely lacking demand right now. Right. And, and, you know, the, the idea too, that like, like, do we, do, do we know like how much, like what, what, uh, gets you a helium token? Like what is the amount of work your rigs have to do for you to even be able to mine a single helium token? Um, you know, uh, I don't have the exact detail off the top of my head, but the fundamental concept is that, um, there's, uh, 
people buy uh, data credits off you. So when you help them transfer data, then they have to pay you in data credits, and there's a conversion rate between uh, data credits and Helium tokens, and so you get awarded Helium tokens. So the, this idea that the end users who need that data are paying you the same way that you'll pay Verizon, you're paying AT&T, these, these dog collar owners are paying, uh, you know, they're paying these miners. Um, but in practice, most of the tokens you're getting are for network maintenance today, right? So the fact that you're talking to other nodes being like, hey, are you online? I'm online. Great. We're both participating in this project of bringing the internet to everybody. Um, so that traffic, that overhead traffic and, uh, you know, and, and communicating with the blockchain, that is where the $19.99 is coming from, right? And the only reason why there's any money, this is, you know, the only reason why there's somebody out there to pay you $19.99 is because the money's flowing down from the venture capitalists right now, right? They're pumping up and it's also flowing down from the ICO and it's also flowing down from random people who are like, you know what? I like this idea of this new internet. Let me also just speculate on the HNT token. And that money is also partly flowing to the miners. Right, right. So also another thing to think of too, like say you, you are a, a helium miner and you're, you're one of the lucky ones based on some of these uh, first-hand uh, experiences we've seen online. Um, and you're making, let's say you're even making based on current value of helium token, you know, 18 bucks, 27 bucks, uh, mm -hmm. 36 bucks a month. You're, you know, you're feeling good. Um, you know, you have to, I guess, be doing this for at least what, 20, 30 months. Uh, mm -hmm. the token has to, uh, not depreciate in value anymore. The, uh, use case has to like people actually use like the companies or, uh, devices trying to connect or have to at least maintain the current level, if not grow. Uh, also you have to make uh, you know you have to cross your fingers that your five hundred dollar box is not going to just die and break because that's another cost of doing yeah. business. This is <clears throat> you know mining uh, rigs, they processing power, lots of work. These things are on, I assume, twenty four seven. Um, so you know they're not going to last forever. So you have to uh, factor that in. You know if if you're lucky, I guess two three mm. years till you break even maybe, and then. Uh, good luck, I guess. Hoping nothing yeah. goes I mean, wrong from there. Holding, if I were holding on to a helium miner right now, I'd I'd really be looking to uh, you know try to flip that right to anybody else who wants to get in for whatever price. Right. And what is the um you know what is the uh the like like uh, Andreessen Horowitz like when they Andreessen Horowitz excuse me when they get when they get into uh, this like what. What are they getting out of it right now? Like, is this just like hopes for the future or are they getting something right now out of this? Man, it's it's really interesting to try to analyze Andreessen Horowitz uh, because when you look at the Web3 space, there's two fundamental components to try to understand what the heck is going on in the Web3 space. So the component number one is what your listeners are very familiar with, which is easy money, right? It's just, it's so, when you give people easy money, they will argue for you, right? They'll go to the ends of the earth right, to, to, to get that easy money. Um, but there's another factor. I mean, look, somebody like Mark Andreessen, the guy's a billionaire. The guy's incredibly successful, incredibly respected. He doesn't need to scam you for, he doesn't need to nickel and dime you. So what's, what's going on? Why is he tempted by easy money? Um, and so there's another piece that you really need to explain what's going on. Um, and, uh, I'm trying to coin a term. I call it hollow abstractions. Um, so it's the idea of this nice sounding, you know, even helium used one, right? They call themselves, um, you know, people-powered networks, right? The network of the people. So that's an example of an abstraction. Like, what does that really mean? Oh, there's like no demand, but you pump the token, right? So it's the difference between a nice-sounding abstraction and the specific meaning is actually like something very different, or in, in many cases, even nothing, right? So the idea of like all these things that Web3 can do, it's like, oh, Web3 can cause networks to be built 
when the network otherwise wouldn't have built. And then you drill down and it's like, well, why wouldn't the network otherwise have been built? It's like, oh, because nobody would have invested money because it's a horrible, horrible investment, right? Like that's the reason. Right. Yeah. I was looking, I was reading at this, uh, this Kevin Ruth story on this in the New York Times. And he brings up that, you know, uh, Helium Network was founded in 2013. But I you know in 2013, they didn't start as a crypto company, he says. And I mean, right. I mean, that's obvious. No one was looking at crypto in this way in 2013. Uh, you know, 2013, we're still talking the era of like uh, libertarians thinking this was going to become like uh, the currency for them to uh, skirt their taxes. They still think that. But that was the sole use case really there and also uh, illegal activity. Um, but, you know, 2013, no one's thinking of that yet. And then, like you said, there was an ICO down the line and they start really getting into crypto as their business model and kevin roos eventually lands on um could helium have worked without crypto technology he says and he says not really the company tried the non-crypto approach and it nearly went bankrupt uh Mm -hmm. but adding tokens to the mix solves what technologists call the cold start problem now Mm -hmm. i mean i don't even think that's that's the case either i mean Right. The, the crypto doesn't solve the problem, which is the core of what Helium is saying they're trying to do to uh-huh. the front-facing public. Like the, what they're saying, like what they're billing Helium as, like people like me who are not looking for a business opportunity, I should know Helium as the company that powers the ability for all of my Internet of Things devices, my my dog collars, my right. uh, my you know my refrigerator. That's going to tell me how low my ice is in the freezer if I'm living mm-hmm. up in the mountains, I guess, and have that fridge there because I have no internet connection uh, otherwise. Um, you know, mm-hmm. these scenarios, that's how I should know Helium as that company that powers these things for me. But I don't mm-hmm. know Helium as that because they're not succeeding at what they <laughs> claim to want to do because – I hate to tell them this after almost 10 years of, uh, you know, banging away at it, but it seems like there's no use case for this. Uh, And so the crypto thing, just like, I guess, how like uh, Ukraine smartly figured out how they could uh, extract some uh, more money from very rich people who wouldn't give otherwise when they really needed to fundraise for the, you know, Russia's war in their country, they decided, hey, we're going to pretend you could only do this via crypto. And the crypto community said, hey, we're going to help out Ukraine, but for this reason only. Not really because of what's going on there for the most part, but because we're going to do it because crypto is involved. Helium seems to be following that model. Like they're, they're booing a non-existent space with the crypto uh, advocates who are literally just getting involved because A, the, the idea of quick money or uh, passive income or honestly probably some people just doing it because they want to support anything crypto in hopes of you know, crypto becoming more legitimate. That's right. And, you know, when and going back to analyzing VC mindset. So I do um, I, I am charitable enough to think that Mark Andreessen, Chris Dixon, Andreessen Horowitz, all of these, uh, you know, successful venture capitalists who are investing in crypto. I think that they're, uh, to, to use a term that uh, Balaji Srinivasan coined, I think, post-economic, right? I don't think that they're driven by easy money. Um, I, I think they have a, you know, they're, they're on a higher plane on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And I think they're all about, you know, they see themselves as these futurists, right, who really understand a tech vision. And, and what they're falling for is not a money scam. 
it's a, it's an intellectual scam. It's the idea of the hollow abstraction that, as Mark Andreessen calls it, they think that they're funding the next internet. So Mr. Andreessen, he was around for the first internet. Like I said, he uh, built the, the first graphical web browser, and he's like, I know what it looks like when a new internet is coming along. I can recognize this. I can smell it. Now, if you go talk to the other inventors of the internet, like Vint Cerf, if you talk to Tim Berners-Lee, they're all like, no, 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 Web3 Web three sucks, right? So he's kind of the only inventor of the internet who's high on Web3. And I'm like, Mark, I'm sorry, you're one for two, right? So you correctly called the first internet. You're incorrectly seeing an internet when there's no internet. Um, but but he, the reason why he thinks this is so great is because he's like, look, this technology, it's decentralized, right? It can incentivize people. There's tokens. The tokens are built into the, the technology. So he's seeing all these things that on an abstract level sound really good. But to your point about the Kevin Roos article, what really frustrates me is when people make these claims like, man, this could only happen because of a blockchain. The only reason these people got together is because of the blockchain. It's like, you remember when you gave them 350 million? You think that might make them come together? Like, you think that might, you know, trigger some some purchases of hotspots? Right, right. I mean, I, I definitely, I definitely agree with you in terms of like the dynamic with uh, 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 Mark Andreessen, where you know, there's, I think, power has a lot to do with it too. The idea that uh, not only uh, would he be one of the heads of this new internet, which uh, for being, uh, you know, for selling itself as decentralized, we're seeing a lot of the same uh, names and faces behind uh, a lot of these big projects being pumped. Um, I think the idea of them, because, you know, this isn't really just a technology or a new internet. A lot of this uh, crypto in a way that obviously Web 2 or, or Web 1 was never. This is also a, a financial uh, in, in the financial space. We're talking about uh, a financial system here. And I think they also they, they in my opinion, view it as a way for them to be where the you know the the old money wall street types are you know basically pulling the strings there this is their opportunity to have that power in this new financial space that would be their domain because it also exists in the tech world um but i have to ask you this um we didn't really get into this but if, if you could, I, I do want to bring it up though uh this is sort of a multifaceted two-parter question Number one, what are security tokens in the Helium system? And number two, uh, how much does Andreessen Horowitz have? <laughs> or do they that's, get that's any? A, <laughs> that's a great question because, you know, to that to that point, um, Andreessen uh, Horowitz has been roundly criticized. They're not transparent at all about these kind of purchases. So the blockchain is known for being very transparent and open, but it's it's not open how many security tokens they hold. Um, the way that the Helium uh, protocol is designed is that uh, there's, you're constantly getting Helium tokens minted toward the security holders. So in addition to paying miners for data, there's essentially a skim, right? So every, t every time a year goes by and all this data has supposedly been transferred, right, to dog, I use dog collars as the, as the representation of the end user, uh, all this data has been transferred, the miners are getting paid, but also 33% uh, uh, this year is supposed to go to pay the the security token holders, which is kind of analogous to you know paying a company to run the system, right? So there is it's it's the overhead costs, and part of it goes to the bottom line, right, to the the shareholders of the company. So there are a lot of analogies between how Helium works and and how a, a regular corporation works. Um, now, who are the shareholders, right, who have this certain class of token that gets to skim 33% this year? Well, uh, as far as I can tell, the the founder of, of Helium Amir posted that. Um, 15% uh, of that 33% is going to Nova, the corporation. So to use uh, actual numbers, so 10 million Helium tokens are, are being minted this year for the shareholders, and 1.5 million of those is going to Nova, the corporation. Um, 
now 1.5 million, you've got to multiply it by nine, uh, $9 per helium token. So roughly you're talking about 15 million going to Nova the corporation. And there's another 85 million that's being skimmed by other shareholders. When you think other shareholders, think largely Andreessen Horowitz, right? And the total skim is that 15 plus that 85. So there's $100 million being skimmed out of the network. Um, and, and so just to zoom out and, and look at all the numbers again, so you've got 365 million going in from investors and you've got uh, 250 million to 500 million going in from ordinary folks who are hoping to make money. And then every year you've got 100 million coming out as, as pure skim. So the idea is like, well, don't worry about our 100 million. There's going to be another, you know, 200 million. Uh, there's going to be way more than that in terms of revenue from people who are purchasing data, right? But then you look at the actual numbers and they're like, oh, there's $6,500 a month of people purchasing data, right? So they're siphoning and siphoning money out of the system when when nobody cares about this. They're, they're not creating value for any end user. This It's as if Verizon did nothing but sell hotspots. It's as if nobody used Verizon for data, right? So that's what's going on. Right. So these these very special investors and VCs who are uh, apparently the ones making the big money out of uh, this people powered network, while the people putting forward the 500 bucks for these mining rigs are working these rigs to the bone to uh, make back their income uh, to make back their investment, I should say, in like two, three, maybe four years. I mean, I, I know I, I know Mark Andreessen's very wealthy, but it seems like uh, there definitely is a, 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 you know, I can never have enough, I guess, for some people. Uh, <laughs> and, and just, to, you know, to put yourself in Mark Andreessen's shoes, you might wonder, like, why are they pumping so these ungodly amounts of money? Like, and, and one reason is they have a 4.5 billion crypto fund. And so the money is really burning a hole in their pocket. There's You're just not going to find 4.5 billion of worthwhile crypto. You're not going to find four dollars of crypto worthwhile right i mean how do you how do you invest 4.5 billion into the crypto it's insane right but so they're like yeah sure you know throw hundreds of millions at this but when they're when they're penciling it out they're saying look we get to skim right 85 million um you know we get a big chunk of that 85 million dollars and so it doesn't matter what happens with these miners maybe it'll take a few extra years maybe it'll take five more years maybe you know by the time that 6500 a month grows to you know millions hundreds of millions a month it'll take five years but it doesn't matter because we're getting our skim and we're going to pay back our investment within two or three years no matter what happens and so it's a safe investment right now now let's also talk about this really quick i, I want to you know I'm, I'm again i'm not an internet of te- uh, internet of things or even like how you know the the uh, airwaves and the you know the uh, 5g spectrum and all that works but from my understanding um, these these mining rigs, these you know helium hotspots, people are buying. They do use the user, like the the uh, the uh, I, I don't know the franchisee, I guess you call them. <laughs> um, they do use their internet connection, right, to sell to other people to use. Correct. Yeah, you're you're saying uh, yeah, like Verizon will let other people sell part of their network. Yeah, I, I think that happens. I'm not an expert. Right, but. As you know, as myself, as someone running one of these hotspots, mm-hmm. like when I sign up for FiOS, well, you're, you're like paid Wi-Fi at a cafe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, sure. But like, um, when I sign up for like my home Spectrum or uh, Verizon FiOS or Comcast or whatever, um, I sign a contract, and in that contract, I can't 
resell my internet service. Isn't that sort of what they're like? How like I know you're not a lawyer or a legal expert here, but have you seen anything online in your research and, and going through Helium? Any concern or has this come up at all in terms of like how legal that these 400,000 or so people who've bought these hot hotspots and, and, you know, letting other people pay Helium to use it? You know, how, it's a great question. Yeah, a, a lot of people have brought that up, and uh, to my knowledge, I don't think the company has explained how that's supposed to work. But I, I suspect their vision is just like, look, we're going to make the technology possible, and then you'll work it out with your internet service provider. Like maybe the maybe Helium will be so popular that ISPs will just realize that people, you know, it's a competitive advantage if if they let you resell your internet, right? So they figure that's like a solvable problem. Right. The I guess the Uber model of just uh, doing it until you have no they, the everybody else has no choice but to let you. Exactly. Or maybe, you know, ask for forgiveness, not permission. Right, right. And so what has been the response to your because your your thread like we're not talking about like, oh, yeah, we've got a few like, uh, you know, in some circles like this thing went, you know, viral. It was being uh, I, I, I saw it being like cited and, and talked about. Uh, from like legacy media publications like Bloomberg. I saw people from reporters from Bloomberg talking. Um, you know, have, have you, what was the response? Like, have you gotten a response from Helium or any of its investors? Yeah. So, uh, you know, the founder of Helium engaged and he said, hey, you know, uh, Liron is, uh, he, it's great that he's being skeptical and asking these questions, but, you know, he doesn't get that there's a vision and actually we're about to do a new network for 5G. So don't worry about LoRaWAN. That one is, you know, it's going to take more time. But where there's a whole new network where you have to purchase different hotspots and we're going to do a 5G network. Um, and that's kind of their next act. It's a little bit of a Luna 1, Luna 2 situation. Like, look, Luna 1, okay, yeah, you're losing all your money. But look, there's Luna 2. So they're doing that with 5G. And the founder also said, well, Iran was a little bit inaccurate on the numbers. You know, he said that we skim 30 million tokens and we, we don't quite skim that much. So, okay, fair. Yeah, I mean, the numbers were me kind of piecing together estimates. But there was never a number that I was that wrong on. Um, so, and, he, and he actually admitted that the 6,500 a month was accurate. And again, that's the bombshell, right? There's no way to sweep under the rug that you raise $365 million and you're making 6,500 of revenue. And it's been a while. You started the company in 2013 and there's no, you know, there might, you, you might imagine like, well, what's the excuse? You know, maybe he can give an answer like, oh, don't worry. Like we're going to flip a switch in six months and that $6,500 is going to turn into, uh, you know, 20 million, right? Like, don't worry, we've got this. And the customer, the first customer is going to be Amazon, right? And they're going to use this for like delivery, like a device that helps you. Like you can imagine they have a story, but the funny thing is they have no story they cannot name who is the customer so they really just threw this out into the world and like look the demand is going to come projects are going to come it's going to organically evolve and it's it's so crazy and yet it's a pattern that i see in startups not in startups that are funded by 365 million but on a smaller scale a startup that will be funded by 3 million or, or 5 million and they'll be like look we're building this piece of software we don't know exactly who's going to use it but eventually somebody's going to use it and so i've actually uh, made it my specialty if you ever look at my blog uh, bloatedmvp.com it's about all kinds of startups that aren't even crypto startups that are suffering from the exact same mistake where they build something you know like if you build it they will come and like people are going to come after we build it and it doesn't work, but it especially doesn't work when you rope 900,000 people all over the country into making a hotspot. Like then it fails on, a, on an even more massive scale. Right, right. And I saw in that, I think either the, the, uh, one of the investors or uh, the Helium CEO himself, I saw in the response to you, he, he brought up, I know we already mentioned like the, the dog collars and then a few other things, but he specifically mentioned most recently in that his response in the past few days 
that there's a company apparently using their network to create like these stickers you could put on anything to track uh, yeah. whatever you want. And I'm thinking like, well, number one, you've just recreated air tags. Uh, right. uh, Apple does that. And there's another company that did that even before Apple. Um, and then number two, uh, even Apple, a huge company, had to literally be like pressured into doing something about all the uh, nefarious use cases where people were using it to actually uh, using AirTag to actually stalk like women and, and other people. And I'm going to trust this like this random <laughs> like I don't think they're thinking about that use case. Are they going to do anything about the stalker use case? Um, but, you know, it's. It's bizarre to me that, um, you know, and, uh, you know, this is probably what we're going to hear uh, for a long time from Helium and other crypto companies that, oh, you know, this has been the case throughout, you know, uh, tech, st- the tech startup world, especially like since like the social media Web 2.0 era where tons of tech startups come without uh, any revenue. Uh, some of them even don't really have a, a, a long-term vision and they're constantly pivoting. But there, you know, we saw VCs put pump money into those companies uh, and they failed. So why is it such a big deal when it happens here? And I think there's a huge difference here. Like when a company like, say, I guess, Facebook or Twitter, and obviously not Facebook or Twitter because they're still around, but a company like that failed. Uh, in the Web 2.0 space. Yeah, it would suck. People would lose money. Um, people who were you know, not investors or executives, they would lose their jobs. Sure, that stuff, that, that's real pain for people, of course, sure. But here in this aspect, with crypto and Web 3, when a Web 3 company fails, the pain is not going to just be within those people who joined the company and knew that, oh, I'm in a tech startup. I can lose my job after, say, a few months, a year. You know, I, this is the space I know what I'm getting myself into. When a Web3 startup fails, the people who are going to be hurt, and it's going to be financial for them in a way that it was never in Web 2.0 spaces, are right. the users and the consumers and the customers. Because even like, let's say, like I bought a VR headset. Uh, and that VR headset company failed in a few years. I would have still bought a product, got a use out of it, my two hundred, three hundred, four hundred dollars, whatever it cost. There, you know, I got my use out of it. It was three hundred dollars well spent if I had fun with the the headset or whatever. I have it still to you know whatever. If a right. crypto company fails, there is no product the consumer has uh, that they used and enjoyed or utilized in their everyday you know, life that made their life simpler or whatever. There's no product there. There's also not like, oh, I just joined a free social network. It failed. Oh, well, on to the next one. The customer, the user, the consumer here are technically really investors themselves. Again, which is why a lot of this stuff is really securities. And uh, we should be getting the SEC in here looking at Helium and other companies like them. Um, but that's why I think this space is so like predatory in a way that we've never seen in any of these like Web 1 or Web 2 uh, companies before. 
Yeah, and and you know, just to, if we zoom out, I mean, the the picture here, it's it's just it's stunning the difference between the hype and the the reality. Like if if you look at what is Andreessen Horowitz, you know, this four point five billion dollar crypto fund, their crown jewels were Helium and also you know Axie Infinity. I'm sure you're familiar. Yeah, we I did an episode with uh, Ed Zitron on uh, Axie Infinity when they got hacked. I mean. A lot of people uh, were using that, and that one really hurt people uh, in, you know, in in country, in developing countries, marginalized people who honestly don't make that much money, and were literally uh, almost honestly like indentured uh, servants in terms of how like the uh, Axie Infinity scholarships worked, where you worked and had to share your earnings with the person who actually owned the Axie Infinity NFT character because the entry for people in like the Philippines, for example, was so high, they could never get involved without having to go work for somebody else to play a video game. I mean, literally, we're talking about you had to go work for somebody in order to play a video game. I mean... Exactly right. So when you zoom out and, and you look at, you know, how do things look, the way things looked a year ago was, you know, the prices were pumping and the thought leadership coming out of Mark Andreessen, Chris Dixon, all, all the crypto VCs are like, this is a new era. Look at Axie Infinity. This proves we're onto something. Look at the Helium network. These are amazing use cases. Like, let's watch what happens. And what happened in both cases is just we're making people poor. Like, we're just roping in victims, making them poor, and then it crashes and they either need more money or they go bankrupt. It's like, how many times is this going to play out? The reason it keeps playing out is everybody's like, well, let's look somewhere else, look somewhere else. Right. And so it's like there's all these air bubbles of like, you know, hot air bubbles. That's like, from my perspective, as a crypto skeptic, I'm like, listen, you're not going to find something here because there's no fundamental reason to believe that putting a blockchain in something, right, or, or incentivizing people with tokens in a way that you can't do uh, with, with equity shares in the old world, there's no reason to believe that these things are any different or any better. But because the hype has like taken root, right, it's like you can't, um, you, you can't go back. I can't go back to a world where people just forget about blockchain. Just forget it. It was a bad idea. Like, just never bring it up again. They're all like, no, I have to bring it up. Like, can't do this. Can't do this. It's like, no, no, no. It can't do anything, right? So it's like, how many times are, are these different uh, schemes going to come? And and so not only do the ideas, not only do I have to go, okay, this idea is dumb. This idea is dumb. Uh, you also have to do it with individual people because everybody's pointing fingers. They're like, look, I don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, I kind of have an idea about what Web3 is, but I'm not the expert. Right. And I know that's something that Packy said after he did his interview where, you know, I, I posted a clip of him where he had a lot of trouble saying how do NFTs help you get a better mortgage on the blockchain. And he didn't know. And he's like, look, at the end of the day, I'm just I'm just a guy. I'm just an observer. You really got to look at the smart people right, who know what they're talking about. And, and so the next clip I did was Mark Andreessen. I mean, how does it get smarter than Mark Andreessen? He's a really smart guy. And he was absolutely stumbling to tell Tyler Cohen how, you know, what is Web3 good for when you make podcasts? He was absolutely struggling because he doesn't have a coherent picture. Of, of how Web3 helps podcasts. So everybody's pointing fingers at individuals. Everybody's pointing fingers at, about projects. It's like, guys, give it up, right? Web3 is just a hollow abstraction. Right. This, you know, it, it's, I, I, I came across, you know, just to, I guess, put a cap on how ridiculous it's getting in terms of like what Web3 is. I came across recently like a new, uh, like a, one of those uh, like uh, software as a service apps where, you uh, you know you set up your profile and people can go there to like book a time to like meet with you and you don't have to get involved and exchange emails like Calendly that's a big one in the space Thanks. and I came across a Calendly competitor that is 
promoting itself as like a Web3 version of Calendly. And I'm Thanks. like, oh, what is the Web3 aspect here? What, why would you need to put your friggin' calendar booking on the blockchain? I, I, what, to, to get angry at someone if they cancel and prove that like, oh, look, it's on the blockchain. I mean, you don't need a blockchain even for that. But OK, that's what you want. No, the Web3 aspect of the, this, this, calend, this new Calendly competitor uh, was that basically when you use it and make a booking – you earn their token. And I'm mm-hmm. like, what? You're, you're just, first of all, your token is worth nothing. And second of all, you're, you're trying to incentivize people to use your app by paying them in your worthless token? What is, like, that, that's what we're going to see, I think, ad infinitum, infinitum here. Uh, you, we're going to see. You're going to be doing this in, in 20 years because you're, there, no matter how bad blockchain is, there's always going to be people who are like, you know what? What if we do this with a blockchain? That idea is just never going away. No matter how bad it is, we can't kill. It's an unkillable zombie idea that's going to last, you know, outlive us. Right. Liron Shapira, an entrepreneur, angel investor, crypto skeptic. I, I want to say, first of all, thank you for coming on this show. And second of all, um, I think that uh, someone in where you are in the tech space uh, speaking so loudly about this stuff, we don't we don't see enough of it. And I don't know if they're... Uh, worried about bothering certain people or if they're actually all just that into crypto that they don't want to publicly uh, or, or they just don't want to publicly you know, say anything. Um, it, I think it's important for someone like you to be out there doing it. And there's only a few. I mean, there's very few crypto skeptics that are out there publicly doing it anyway. But to have someone like you doing it, uh, it's really important. I, I mean, I except for the, the feelings on Mark Andreessen. We're on, I think we're on the same page on pretty much everything. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and I'm fortunate enough to be in a position where I'm uncancelable, right? So I'm not worried that I'm not going to pay my bills if a particular person gets offended. Um, and so, look, it's I, I got to make the most out of this, right? And so I'm saying what I really believe. Right. And I hope you keep doing it. I hope you'll come back on this show to talk about. I mean, there's there's literally a never ending supply of things to talk about. Uh, I hope you'll, be, you'll come back on. Yeah, I would love to. Isn't Web3 just fantastic, folks? I really don't know what more to say. Um, I'm actually also on, you know, uh, very little sleep because I had to literally do everything you just listened to. And the piece that published in Mashable was literally all put together in about a 36 to 48 hour time frame. Uh, So I am, quite frankly, exhausted. So to wrap things up here, go to patreon.com to support this show. Your paid subscription literally will help break more news in the crypto, Web3, NFT, scam economy space. Cannot do it without the listeners as a whole, the viewers as a whole, but I definitely cannot do it without my patrons. Your support is greatly appreciated. It helps me spend more time on this show, Scam Economy, on my other reporting work, on my other journalism work, on my other podcasts and shows like Doomed. So really, if you can, patreon.com slash mattbinder and subscribe. You can also subscribe to the YouTube channel at youtube.com slash mattbinder, which doesn't cost any money. And if you watch the 
uh, live premiere of this episode, you can drop a super chat. If you watch the video replay of this episode on YouTube, you can drop a super thanks. Those are one-off donations as like a thank you. Uh, you can also go to twitch.tv slash mapbinder, follow the channel there. And if you're an Amazon Prime subscriber, connect your Amazon Prime account to your Twitch account and you get a free Twitch Prime subscription Every single month, it's basically free money for you to give to your favorite Twitch creator. I hope that's me. That's why I'm mentioning it. But even if it's not, definitely use it. You get it free from Amazon every month. Doesn't cost you anything. Uh, Don't let Amazon walk away without sharing their money that you pay them with your favorite Twitch creator. And of course, scameconomy.com for all the links to the podcast version of the show. And please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify if you haven't already. It helps push this show up the Apple Podcast and Spotify charts, which in turn helps more people find out about the show. Follow me on Twitter, at Matt Binder, and basically search for me on any social media platform, Matt Binder, and you'll, you'll find me. And... That's it for this episode. I'll see you all next time on The Scam Economy. 